It's the WOCast and you have to take a listen Full of insight that you may be missing in the WOCast Always giving you the blueprint, different interviews Plus bringing you exclusives, the WOCast We provide you with the coverage, gym to the cage Worldwide we got you covered with the WOCast If you snooze you lose For all your MMA news and views it's the WOCast Powered by WOTV.com With your host, Michael Morgan and Mike Deep WOCast Always making trouble Mother lovers. I'm Michael Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of the Wocast. Joining me as always, my Cody, my Stiggy. What's going on, mother lovers? How are we today, man? Well, not as good as you on tour with the <laughs> likes of Pete Tong. Oi, oi, it's all gone Pete Tong, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Wow. I mean, um, right now I'm in Glasgow at the Redison mm. Hotel. And um, yeah, we got a gig tonight in... Um, the Hydro, the SSE Hydro Arena. No ex- no expense spared. So is this in advance of the album? Are you doing new material from the album? Or is it is this like your um, your back catalogue? Well, this is because obviously, you know, uh, for people, I'm sure a lot of people um, listening know who Pete Tong is, but he's, you know, big, massive, um, uh, you know, house DJ, dance music DJ. And so what it is, is they've, they've got this um, IB for Classics tour that they do um, quite regularly, which is basically getting, you know, redoing songs um, with an orchestra, but redoing these old dance songs um, that people grew up with, yeah, with um, the Heritage Orchestra. So it's a 65-piece orchestra. And um, with some of the tunes, they've got guest singers and guest artists. Um, and I'm one of the guest artists that um, jumps on the... There was a tune with um, Q-Tip uh, featured on a track for the Chemical Brothers, which is called Galvanize. And so they do they do this tune in the set in the in this set that I'm involved in. Um, so what I've done is just write my own lyrics for the for the verses, and then we use the chorus for the Galvanize thing. So that's what I've been asked to do. I, I did the first tour. Uh, well, the first tour for me was in summer this year, and we did five dates. And uh, yeah, it went really well. So they asked me back again um, to do this uh, winter tour, which is eight dates, and it's just all arenas. So so far, we've done like um, we've done Newcastle, um, Dublin, Belfast, and then now we're here in um, Glasgow. Then we got like four more to do, which will be uh, Manchester, Birmingham, and in London. Wow. Well, nice segue into what's coming up on this week's episode. We're going to be looking at Tip of the Meisberg 3, <laughs> your, I would say, one of your greatest bodies of work wow. to date. We're going to delve into that ever so slightly. Yeah. We're going to have a quick canter through this week's offering in terms of fight action, KSW 46, Bellator 210, Bellator 211. UFC Tough 28 finale and Fight Night 142. Basically, it's going to be a smorgasbord this weekend of UFC weekenders or um, Fight Night weekenders. Fight weekenders full stop. But um, finally, we're going to actually end off uh, this week's episode with an interview. It's a pre-recorded interview which uh, I conducted with Nathan Dredd. Grayson. Okay, so let's just delve straight into it straight away. I have to say, I, I was I was pleased 
um, that I wasn't disappointed with the body of work, which is Tip of the Iceberg, <laughs> Volume 3. For me, it is a virtual, how can I put it, smorgasbord. It's a virtual tour for the hardcore hip-hop fan. I think mm. if you are looking for something which is a little bit watered down, mellow, which is um, basically... Um, a hybrid between genres, this ain't for you. <laughs> this is straight up hip-hop. This is for the hip-hop heads. Yeah. And what I liked as well, what I liked is it sounds crisp. Oh, there is no demo quality about this. There is no um, skirting around in terms of uh, production values. Sick, this bro. is like top of the line, top shelf I would say hardcore straight up hip hop with some brilliant standout tracks for me I have to say I liked the milkman I mean I, I do like that whole rare groove flavor oh, I like you mean that the, kind uh, of like vibe the intro yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was produced that, that, by the milkman that, mm. yeah the, the intro was produced by the milkman there's people who know my previous releases might know who the milkman is but it's <laughs> ah, a mystery love that <laughs> love that appreciate that man I mean that's what I try to do with uh, all the with this series is like the intro is always some old break or old groove that I feel you know what I mean just to kind of rehash yeah, yeah, it a yeah. bit and just get you in the mood for, for the tape oh definitely yeah. definitely because like I say it's an 18 track what strong uh, 18 track body of work and for me as i say i could sit here all day and talk about the standout but the ones which are on repeat don't get me wrong play them all at least five times but the ones which are definitely on repeat the milkman i like you with it and uh, i like complaints department complaints department <laughs> kind of like brought me it was kind of like a skit but a track yeah, yeah. that was kind of like structured as a skit, and I loved it. I loved oh, it. It was a refreshing change. Oh, that's wicked, man. Refreshing change. Yeah, I, I, want, I want, you know, like I said to you before, the whole idea with the, with this tip of the iceberg stuff is just to, rather than have like some coherent um, theme going from song to song, it's just more like sometimes yeah. I get a beat from this guy or I get a beat from that guy, and uh, and I write something to it, and then I never really use it because. Uh, what I'm trying to figure out what it would fit in with, um, but now yeah. it's like uh, I'd much rather, you know, work with new producers or producers I've worked with before, but have just have these tunes where I'm like, okay, yeah, look, the complaints department was something that came up because of the way the beat sounded. I don't know what I'd use it for, but now I do. You know, it's like I could just throw it on here and just see what people think of it. So it's also yeah, like yeah. just getting having little ideas and maybe they might not be a full song. Or, you know, it might not be um, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you know, that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just the vibe that I want people to, to get with. And then, you know, some of the beats I might use and turn into a full song off the back of that. From, from memory, complaints department, Keith Price, yeah, right? Yeah, that's Keith Price. Keith has got about, I think he's got yeah. about six or seven um, beats on, on the tape. Mm. He's done a good yeah, job. Yeah, I mean... In terms of, of a body of work, I mean yourself. You, I, I guarantee, are your 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 harshest critic. Mm, when you actually sat back and listened to that, in terms of, as I say, an eighteen-piece body of work, what was your kind of like as as a fan or as somebody trying to be objective with your own body of work? What was your actually overall experience? So, first of all, recording the whole thing, but secondly. 
was it what you wanted in terms of a finished product? Yeah, I think it was more than that. Because to, to, be, to be honest, I've been working on a few projects um, around the same time. And this was one of them. But this was the one that I said I'm going to finish first and get out there. Just because um, yeah. I felt like, you know, I, I can put this out myself. I don't have to go too crazy on the whole um, promo of it in terms of pushing, mm. you know. Because it's a mixtape, it's a, it's a thing of I can do videos to whichever songs I want. Um, the other thing is it all being original material. So for me, it, like I said, it was a case of certain beats were coming in and I wasn't sure, you know, I'm already working on this other album, so I can't use it for that. Yeah. But I really like this beat. And what would you do to, you know, what would I do to this beat? I put a write to it, demo it, and then um, it's sitting there. And then once I, I, I had an idea of, okay, this is what I want the mixtape to be. I want it to be all original material i don't want it to be like you know some mixtapes is like oh here's me rapping on snoop dogg's beat or here's me rapping on so-and-so's beat i just wanted it to yeah, be yeah, original yeah. and just fresh material that no one's heard yet and so I as it was going on every song just felt like yeah this this is going on the mixtape yeah this is going on. some stuff that we actually had me and keith have got an album together and some stuff we were like mm. oh we will use it for the album but then it ended up sounding so like, nah, this is mixtape vibe and this will get people prepared for what we've got coming as well. Personally, if you want my, uh, you know, if, if you want my independent take on this, this doesn't come across like a mixtape mm. at all. It comes across like a polished yeah, album. that's what I wanted. The, the way you've, you've, you've finessed this, you could legitimately say this is an 18-track oh, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I want from it. I want, I want it to be like that. I want people to... to you know, think, oh, okay, well, yeah, 18 tracks, okay, and maybe, you know, they might feel like, well, that's a lot of music, but then once you get into it, you're like, oh, right, this actually flows, you know, I want it to flow like a mixtape, but still, like you said, mm. feel like an album, you know, and I think I'm getting and that, and the feedback has been amazing, so definitely um, looking forward to getting it out this Friday, November the 30th, yeah. Mother Lovers. <laughs> Mm, mm. I mean, as I say, I mean, I, I, I've cantered through at least, at the very least, um, five times each track. You're, you're right. Um, it does actually flow from track to track. What I like, though, or what must have been really, really difficult is you've used Logan on there. You've used the Milkman. You've used um, Keith yeah. Price. It must have been hella difficult, kind of, okay, who exactly is going to make the cut in terms of tracks? Who is going to make... Um, yeah, you've even got um, Black Einstein on yeah, there as well, yeah. which is nice to see. That was a nice welcome return, I have to say, with you two together. Yeah, man, definitely. And you see, even that, it's a song that we had. Uh, we had sitting there and, um, you know, um, the bro not many people know, but there was an era where Broken Beat, that style of music was quite prominent in London, but we never got a chance yeah. to release it. And then it came, it popped up again on the playlist, and it's like, oh, remember this? And so we just re-jigged it, and um, you know, he rearranged it and whatnot, made it a bit more up to date, and so it worked out um, because of that. And yeah, it's one of my favourite tracks. Oh, okay, up tempo as well. Mm, mm, mm. I, I have to say, I mean, like I say, I, I could I could go on for days about the track list, and I like Skull Island. I like yeah. that a lot. <laughs> that was a bit of fun, you know. I like the. the 
the use of metaphors, I mean, throughout the entire um, um, body of work you got there, I have to say, it was uh, it was skillful to say the least. I, 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 maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because I like beef. Maybe it's because I like digging. Maybe it is because I read too much into things. But it sounded though, you know, on, on like say Skull Island, you were taking like um, shots at a few people. But I, I, maybe it's just me. Maybe that's just kind of yeah, like that's, the way that that's I kind that of always like the trouble. Slogan you keep running with because nah, with that it was just I heard it and I heard like a Donkey yeah. Kong vibe to it and then I've always been a fan of King Kong anyway and so it just all kind yeah. of tied in and the hook just came straight away so from there you know oh, but okay. yeah the, I mean the idea is obviously I'm an MC but you know it's like uh, I'm the anti-hero in this you know like the one you'd least expect to, to kind of <laughs> take over the building. <laughs> Yeah, man. Nah, it wasn't really shots, but, you know, there's still a bit of the MC, um, uh, what, what should I say? That, you know. Competitive yeah, edge yeah, still to there. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, were, were, you, were you not tempted? Because considering how many, well, not necessarily runnings, but you've had your fair share of... I wouldn't. I don't want to call it conflict, but um, situations, yeah, yeah, yeah. say, with other MCs. Weren't you tempted to kind of air some of the? I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but weren't you tempted to air some of those out on, say, a track like Skyline? Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I could have probably gone there with it, but to be honest, you know, I don't really feel like there's many MCs out there. It's like I'm picking on. You know, I'd be bullying if I was to like start poking at yeah because a lot of them you know they're not really built for that type of um, warfare you know so it's like yeah. uh, and that I, I did get told that like yo if you go at so and so you know it's going to look like you're kind of bullying it's like they haven't got nothing for you and I was like yeah it's true really mm-hmm. so I, you know there's always uh, I want to say bullets in the chamber but there's always fists in the gloves <laughs> ready to throw you know what I mean? So if anyone, I, like, I do have yeah. some bobs that I jot down whenever uh, something comes up, but I, I don't really think anyone wants that kind of trouble with me. So for me, it was just like making sure <laughs> I could entertain, you know, the people that actually support what I do, man. I'd rather put more energy into um, the positive things that are going on as opposed to all the negative stuff, because I feel like them, you know, them sort of people are already uh, on their way down with that kind of talk, you know? And um, for me, the most important thing is like we've, like we've spoke about before in previous episodes is like just getting the amount of material that I want to get out there now as opposed to, um, you know, trying to, oh, I'm still trying to get somewhere with this. I'm still now it's like, OK, I'm somewhere. Uh, let me just show everybody what I can do with this now. Uh, that's more mm-hmm. important for me. I mean, you, you know what? Listening to the, the, the whole mixtape, I have to say, it made me feel that maybe just perhaps there was one standout track. If you could pick the one standout track from this and say, you know what, let me break down this body of work and, and what it means to me, this particular track. What, what would that track be? I mean, what was the standout track? Oh, no, that's the wrong word. Not necessarily standout track, but track or nay, which you, which you feel, you know what, if Heads only knew what this track actually wow, means. Wow, that's a good question, man. Um, yeah, that's a really good question because I feel like um, in terms of what, you know, I know that's not what you were asking, but in terms of standout track, the one that everybody goes on about, everyone who's heard it so far, 
is Skull Island because it's got that stank face, yeah. you know. It's like as soon as it drops, you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be trouble. Then the hook comes in, you're like, okay, let, yeah. let me yeah, start yeah, yeah. beating my chest now. <laughs> Stomping my feet to this one. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, like, one, I think You With It, for me, was one of the first ones that I did, and, and it was like... Um, Logan had sent me some beats and I said, Ra, I really like this one. And he was surprised that I liked that one. And then when I showed him... Nah, the beat is Yeah, when bad. I showed him what I wanted, you know, the, the demo, I, I let him hear the demo. He was like, oh, I see where you're going with it now. And for me, it was like, th this song was partly me talking to the man them, you know, people that are still on the street, still doing the stupid stuff that they, yeah. you know, they should have grew out of 20 years ago. And then obviously, mm. like the health, the health side, you know, that I've, I've really kind of got into eating healthier, being healthier over the last sort of, I don't know, eight to nine years or something like that. And so I could throw some of that in there without sounding corny, you know what I mean? Without sounding preachy. Yeah. And then the, the mm. you know, for me, it's like, yeah, I want to make music that people can um, laugh to, joke to, dance to, fight to, do you know what I mean? So. I get a chance to like still motivate people with something like this as well. You know, it, it's not just ah. about like, ah, oh, you know, I'm doing this, you're doing that, you shouldn't be doing that, you know, whatever. It's more about like, don't don't give up on yourself. Don't feel like you can't get somewhere with with uh, whatever dream it is you're trying to pursue. It just might take time, but you know, just make sure you're with it. So for me, that's definitely one of the songs I think. Um, I want people to take, you know, take home with them, as well as keep inspiring. Yeah. Which is a similar sort of thing. The idea with that track was just to remind people, you know, it, it's, it's, it's cool to, you know, be, I guess, like be um, zoned in on one thing, on one type of craft. And then once you've mastered that, you know, don't think that, even though it's, you might not be making any money right now or whatever, but don't think that you're not inspiring other people when you do that. You know, like mm. I, I know a lot mm. of people that are really working hard at what they do, but not really getting as much out of it. But then you see that off the back of the, the work they're putting out, there are people like copying or, you know, but either way, whether that's a good or bad thing, it, it, that's a whole nother conversation. But for me, it's like as long as we can inspire kids to pursue these sort of dreams and not feel like you can't do it. Yeah. You know, that will keep us going, man. Um, for me, you know, for me coming up, it wasn't like they were like the most I could point to to say, "Mom, I want to do that." Is probably like, you know, stuff that was going on in America, and then there wasn't. It wasn't really any MCs in the UK that I could go look, Mum. <laughs> that he's done well with it. You could, you know, it, there was none of that. So it was really hard to kind of uh, convince her that this this is gonna work. Whereas now. And I'm really glad you say that. I'm glad you say that. I tell you why. Good. So to just jump in there, I tell you why. Because listening to this and listening to you know every single my diggy mm. maestro track that I've ever um, been into, you don't sound like yeah. anybody. It's not as though you're aping or you're you're you're, you're trying to actually yeah. replicate another MC. So it's kind of like it's it's that that's a profound thing that you just said there because. You sound yeah, like my Stiggy. Yeah. You don't sound like anybody else. So it's 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 really, really, really telling that you said that. In that there wasn't anybody that you could actually no. kind of point to and say, you know, this, no. that, and the third. Uh, this is this is an example of of, of rap because 
you're coming across very very independent in the way you flow and i liked as well that each track has a yeah, different flow yeah. in terms of rhyme schemes in terms yeah. of cadences and they are my yeah, sticky yeah. Flow. that's the other thing man i just wanted to like i said have fun show people that i'm having fun and show you how mm. to have fun so instead mm. of like worrying about oh does my voice sound the same on this track and this track it's like no i'm this this beat is making me want to sound like this or making me want to flow like this you know yeah and, and just i'm feeling yeah. free about doing it as well was really important man mm. so i'm glad that that's coming across because that's one thing i was like hmm, i wonder how people are going to hear this because i know in terms of beat choices and concepts and whatnot I, I just do my own the secret to that is just not listening to everybody else you know a lot of people they don't realize they're listening to oh, listening to that listening to kendrick listening to j cole listening to whoever and then that's what you end up that's what comes out <laughs> yeah yeah that's what comes out you know it's no see it's not like it's really not rocket science man but um yeah but it just surprises me how accepted it is oh uh, listen to this guy check this guy out and you listen you go oh wow he sounds like a mixture between kendrick and mf doom uh, yeah, that's what I like about him. <laughs> you know, it's weird, man. Weird, so weird, man. But yeah, man, definitely looking forward to people uh, to the feedback off of this because it's like you like yourself. A lot of people have really been um, giving me, you know, giving me words that I wasn't expecting. Put it that way. Ah, uh, well, put it this way. Now I've got to take you up on that. You must, especially when you listen back as somebody you know who is objective and can be objective considering the ayahuasca journey yeah. that you've been on you know you know being out of yourself that you know listening to something in with an yeah. independent ear that what you're listening to is is i reckon um up there in terms of bodies of work that. i mean uh, we're talking like a classic album we're talking about a classic mixtape we're talking about something which you know people can actually put on a pedal stool and say you know what I'd like to aspire yeah. to be like this, not to sound exactly like this, but this is yeah. the standard. You've raised the bar in terms of what a mixtape should Sick, actually man. sound like, what rhyme schemes should sound like, what independence yeah, should sound that's like. A really good way to Personally, put it, as I say, I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I'm pleased Thank for you. you. So much, Seriously, man. you've come up with something which really is incredible. Really appreciate that, Mike. Man, now you got me pumped up. After this, I got to go to the gym, boy. Use all this <laughs> energy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really fun putting it together. And like I said, hopefully every year, if not every year, every other year, I can put something out in this series. Because the last time it came out was 2008, I think, or it might have been earlier than that. I put it out in Australia first, which is Tip of the Iceberg 3. And then over that course of time, it was yeah. just coming back and trying to find myself, you know, after leaving the, the low life label, all of that stuff going on, finding trust in mm. people, mm. you know, learning how to put out my own material. And then obviously now we've got to this point where we're frigging, we're all over the place, you know, doing Sainsbury's adverts, Subway adverts, uh, you know, who else? <laughs> Mozilla working for, you know, all these different companies. And it's made me feel like, okay, you know what you're doing, bruv. Don't worry, man. Um, were, were you not tempted to bring back Giles Freeman? For I was, this one? you know. It's funny you said that, man. I've definitely been. Like, ah, oh, Giles needs to make an appearance again because it's been a long while, so... Yeah, yeah. he's one of my favourites. <laughs> no, yeah. definitely. Giles has got to come back, <laughs> man. He's been quiet for a bit, but, um, yeah. 
Uh, you're right about that. Uh, I think on the next, I mean, with this next um, yeah. LP I've got with uh, Keith Price, it's going to be a really interesting one. Definitely more mm. mature. And I think you get some of that from this mixtape. Like, somebody did say that, that this is growth. Uh, and that's off the back of the, the, the video, the recent video I put out called Where Do I Begin? Yeah, that, that, that is a very good way of actually um, describing that kind of mm. the, the vibe for that video because yeah it, it you could see that yeah. there was a maturity there you could see i don't know who who actually coined that but yeah, yeah definitely growth growth is how i would actually i, I yeah. could definitely best um personify or, or, or capture that, of definitely. that of, you know it's like we did that video in spring and then obviously going on the journey the mm. ayahuasca journey and then you know feeling reborn then i watch the video now and i'm like wow it's almost like that was all tied in you know yeah like, yeah like it, yeah because it is the, the idea of that tune is just like okay i've woken up out of this slumber and i'm not fooled anymore you know mm. and try to explain to people yeah so like you said there's shots fired in terms of chopping down the trees and all that and, and it's true we have got there's a lot of mcs now who really they're just they're doing the same thing that um hip-hop was against in the beginning it was against all that you know the establishment and against like trying to water down what we're doing and feeding um the kids rubbish bullshit but now that's that's what it is you know and i don't want to be part of that when people ask me what do i do i never usually say i'm a rapper first of all i usually i'm like uh yeah i'm a musician oh what do you do what instrument do you play oh, i'm a vocalist Oh, right, you're a singer. No, no, I'll do more rap. You know, <laughs> like I lead into it that way as opposed to say I'm a rapper and then they give me the stupid rap hands. Yo, yo, so where's your bitches and your, you know, your guns and your, like, I, that stigma I hate. And, and then I feel like a lot of people try and follow, like, even if they're conscious, more of a conscious sort of rapper, they still try and be thugged out. And then, and then that, that throws out um, yeah. a confusing narrative to me. You know, it's like kids... It's like, okay, I want to be smart, but then I want to be thugged out as well. Still, I want to be ignorant in some form or way because that's cool. And it's like, no, that doesn't have to be cool. You know, we don't have to pretend people mm, have to mm, pretend mm. that you have to be a bad man now for you to survive in this world because that's not true. You know what I mean? And um, so that's why I try and... Yeah, exactly. It's just like, yo, this is hip-hop. This ain't me trying to be the baddest man on the planet or if, if that's the case, then I should be a fighter. You know what I mean? Or Yeah. Yep. Well, exactly. And it's good that you're, you're, you're being you. And, um, you know, as I say, that's coming across you, loud and clear. But yeah, segue neatly into the, the, the kind of like crux of the show. Before we actually move off, though, um, where can people uh, access Tip right, of the Iceberg so Volume Tip of the Iceberg is available in all the digital stores. So you can go iTunes, uh, Play Muse, Google Play. Um, you can go to uh, Bandcamp, which is even more preferable because that comes straight to the source. Um, and look for Tip of the Okay, yeah, of the that's good to know. Free, um, by Mice Diggy. And there's a video mm. out already called uh, Where Do I Begin? And there's going to be some more dropping as well. But yeah, the, the tape drops on November 30th, Friday, November 30th, man. So if you can support that, please do. And, you know, let... let uh, let um, real hip hop stay alive, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you say. Yeah, man. <laughs> Preach. Let's get into Preach. the meat and potatoes. Then. Right. So. In it. I missed <laughs> out on um, this week's. Uh, because of the touring, I haven't had a chance to really catch up on um, this weekend's fights. Just gone, man. But I did see uh, one main event. <laughs> 
because of course you know I couldn't miss out on it. In Ghana, oh, man, I saw uh, Tito versus Chuck, man, the rubber match. <laughs> oh wow, wow! Oh, that man. that I have to say, I was one of the people leading the charge in terms of the stop Tito Chuck. versus um, Chuck. Uh, campaign. I mean, really and truly, did we really need to see what we knew what we would Whoa. see? I mean, really, we've got someone who's 48, basically retired on several losses, and they were and they KO were like losses as well. Years ago Coming as well. back. He hadn't fought for her. There you go. There you go. And I think, I think the worry for me was you could see even before he'd actually put on those four rounds gloves and attended the open workout, you could see he is suffering from concussion, yeah. slurred speech. The way in which he, his patterns and, and, yeah. and, and the way in which he talks and the way in which he walks, he's like somebody yeah. who's double his years. And it was frightening the prospect that he was actually going to go in there and actually throw hands after watching him throw hands, barely throw hands on pads stationary yeah. pads he could hardly connect it was worrying it was worrying you know the, the worry for me was that he had people around him who weren't actually saying chuck you know what as a brethren as a friend as a confidant as somebody who is you know in your corner don't do this man but can i don't ask do you this. do you think because I, I thought the same thing and after a while i was like is there something more to this for chuck because obviously to you know now it's quite obvious that you know, he, he's going to get involved in um, the promotion and whatnot. But for for both of them, yeah. and then obviously Oscar, like the, some of the stuff he was saying at the uh, press conference, it was quite obvious that, okay, these guys are going at UFC. You know, there's there's, there's something here, you know, that uh, I don't know, there's some animosity there where they don't seem to be pulling any punches anymore. And it almost felt like Chuck wanted to be part of that as well and there's obviously a payday there for them N but do you think that was more the reason as opposed to wanting to come back and fight again because it just seemed like what's the point you've beat this guy twice why you and you then you've lost how many fights before you know the end of your career you you know you might not want to admit it but yeah definitely i i, I agree with you on him being punch drunk like his speech is funny he walks funny. i think one even the way he stares at tito is almost yeah. like he doesn't fully, he's not fully there. That's right. Yeah, it's almost as though he's staring through him. It's almost as though yeah. there's a vacant look in his eyes. And um, that kind of like really, you know, segues into, just to answer your question, I think there's a vacant or a vacant look yeah. in their bank balances. Not necessarily Tito, but definitely Chuck. Because if you think about it, he was set up by um, Dana White to be set for life in that he had a paid position, ambassadorial, uh, quote, air quotes, um, position within the UFC. When that was stopped with the buyout and he no longer had that purse or no longer had that salary coming in, there was only one thing to do, considering that this is all that Chuck knows. This is all that he's been doing for his, his, almost his entire life. He's been fighting. So... There's not a lot of options open to him. And it's kind of like a damning indictment of the way in which athletes are treated in the UFC and the way in which they're recompensed and the way in which they're set up, they're set up for the future. Unless you're business-minded, unless you are that way inclined, unless you are future-proofing your life, 
there is nothing left for you but to fight in order to actually make money and that's what it boiled down to for me it was kind of obvious after having that paycheck actually taken from his bank balance every month that there wasn't a lot of options open for Chuck but there certainly was for Tito he's very business minded he said something um, on a recent podcast I forget which one but it was very telling of his mentality and his approach he said you need to have five different approaches five different incomes so they have to be five different things in terms of an income and this is one of his five incomes which neatly segues into his position now on golden boy mma in that he was basically um i i think trying to actually establish I am now actually um, a paid employee of Golden Boy Promotions and I'm going to bring people into it by setting up a yeah. fight with one of my arch rivals. It's almost like a massive marketing, like. marketing ploy I mean, at you know, Chuck's and look, expense. Like, to be fair, I did, obviously I haven't seen the whole card like I said, but to be mm. fair, man, the production, it yeah. definitely looked good. There was, um, it had a throwback feel as well. Weirdly enough, it felt like, you know, you're looking at yeah. Tito and you're like, ah, oh, man, this feels like <laughs> Tito from, you know, early UFC, like on, on his reign, um, before even Chuck, you know, became a name or whatnot. It felt like, wow, Tito's back. And then you had the whole, I don't know if you saw some of the funny shit going on in the uh, in the crowd, but it was proper throwback business. You know, this felt like, wow, all the sort of memes that are about Just Bleed Dude and you know, the guy that can't throw his punches and all that. Yeah. And like, they were all out in attendance, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it, it felt like there were probably a bunch of people that might not be as heavy into UFC as, um, you know, some of us are, are nowadays, but they used to be into it. Um, and and it's just so weird for, for people to, to even... Because, you know, we all like to have a laugh at Tito and his character and whatnot, but there are some... He's got hardcore fans out there, man. And I think Oscar was pretty smart in um, putting, you know, making them two fight each other and then, you know, leading off into this now with uh, Tio, you know, as, as yeah, as sometimes he can seem like a blockhead, but he actually, like you said, he's quite a smart businessman. And, um, I think I think it was more Tito who mm. was smart than Oscar De La Hoya because if you think about it, he couldn't even produce or Chuck he couldn't Lydell. even pronounce oh, Chuck's surname. That was just Chuck like, Lydell. What? Now that's that 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 is so telling. That is so telling in that he hadn't invested the time and or the actual inclination or the resources to actually research who he was yeah. supposedly if you promoting. Close your eyes, but yet, close your eyes. It was and almost to his. You know, his whole intro, his whole... Everything he was saying during that press conference. And he just sounded like he was... He sounded like he was lying. Clearly yeah, out of his like depth. He didn't know who, who was who, what yeah. they do. And, yeah, it just all sounded a bit... He was like, um... Uh, and if you... Uh, uh, you know, a lot of umming and ahhing and just, like, trying to sound like he's saying something. It was like, okay. So I, I do hope they can get some better representation. Like, he can... If he can be, like you know, the owner that doesn't, you know, get too involved and get someone that really does know about uh, mixed martial arts and understands it a lot more. I think that will help the promotion. But as it stands, you know, and with Tito's reputation as well in terms of looking after fighters, I mean, who's he got? Cyborg and who else? 
I think Cyborg's there. moved on. Yeah, from him, I don't know whether from what I've been are told. Really going to trust that. Yeah, yet. you know, I think it will take for um, someone of a sort of Scott Coker type um, stature or you know uh, respect level from people that that might that might get more people involved. But otherwise, yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely the whole like a, you know going against the UFC thing should work. Um, maybe they'll they'll be like, okay, let's get all the flyweights in. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know whether that will happen or not. But you know, something to say like, look, we're better <laughs> than them because of this could help them. Um, Put it this way, it's very difficult for them to actually back that claim up. One of the things which was pretty telling in all of this was. Oscar De La Hoya saying we are going to treat fighters yeah. better than they were treated in the UFC. Of all of those um, who are on the bill, who've actually been in the UFC, Efrain Escadero, for example, they weren't yeah, paid yeah. as much as they were in the UFC. So you've already fallen at the first hurdle when you say you're going to look after fighters. And if you were going to look after fighters, you wouldn't have somebody who was 50 years old. I don't understand why nobody is actually pointing this out. We are going to look after fighters, but yet our headliner for our inaugural event is going to be a 50 or near 50 year old um, versus yeah, a mid 40 year old. Are and you being TL's serious? No, TO 43, Chuck's 48, yeah. I mean, and it's just even weird. That's right, how... 48. Yeah. Ch Chuck's the same age as me. <laughs> what was even weirder was how proud she... I guess it, that's just been lingering. That's been on his mind for 14 years or whatever. And um, he's finally managed to... Yeah. But, you know, it, it wasn't... Just look at Chuck, man. He didn't even... I don't even think he threw a punch correctly. It all looked... Like he, he was either drunk, like literally drunk, not punch drunk. Like imagine you're punch drunk and drunk trying to fight in there. And and then it also just seemed yeah. like he didn't, you know, I don't remember him taking that many steps back. I don't remember him shuffling like that all backwards back. And then to the point where you've got T.O. To showboating, like missing punches. But then, you know, they their footwork, everything just seemed off with both of them. And then next week you're getting knocked out by him into some way. It almost looked friggin' people are talking about that it was fake and it almost did look like that because of the way Chuck in slow mo you're just like, huh? What is he doing? It just didn't look right at all, but hey man, I mean they've 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 uh, made a name for themselves now. Um, you know, we we've seen other joke fights like people were saying has that topped um Data five thousand versus uh Kimbo Slice, rest in peace. I don't think it has because at least it ended, you know what I mean? <laughs> it ended uh in the first round or whatever but man it, it, it just that wasn't I don't know it, it wasn't a good representation of mixed martial arts oh mate if we can leave that firmly in the past that would be incredible I mean really and truly I don't want to see a second show I really don't no uh, yeah I, I heard that the the actual production of the of the show was really good but the the, the fight quality wasn't up there it was like you know one or, only one or two fights that looked of a, a standard that could test UFC. Or put it this way. <laughs> put, put, put it this way. There was no way I was going to invest in that. I caught the memes and I caught the clips on the internet the next day. I was not going to be lining T.O. or Chuck's mm. pockets because that would be seen as an endorsement of yeah. that gothic yeah, monstrosity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that fight. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's move on to uh, <laughs> leave that there. I mean, you know, good luck to Oscar and uh, Golden Boy MMA TO, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think the main thing they need to focus on, obviously, the, in terms of production, Oscar's already got a lot of experience from the boxing side of things. So I think they've they they they're obviously I, I want to watch it just to see what that was about, skim through it, but. I think in terms of the quality of the fights, it, that's something they've really... You can't just like, hey, we've got this guy and he's an MMA fighter and he's a... You know, and the whole thing was like bragging about we've got 18 fights on here. Six of them... Was it six or four or five or six of them were amateur title fights? And, you know, it was just stuff where it's like, okay, this is cool, but you're talking about testing UFC, bruv. Like, where are you going with all of this, man? Nah, uh, it was it, it was horrible. It was horrible. Mm. And like I say, that the sooner we get that out of our collective memories, the better. But I tell you what I want to get into <laughs> straight away now, which will hopefully redeem um, my sense of uh, where uh, Mixed Martial Arts is right now, and that is KSW 46. They have done some solid work at KSW over the last... A uh, few years or so, and mm. you know, I think for me, they are a standard bear when it comes to European um, European mixed martial arts. And um, I think this Saturday's card, where one of our guys actually, uh, our, one of our new recruits, Scott Lagden, is going to be on site uh, to take in Mohamed Kaladov versus Thomas Narkin. Now, for me. Whilst that is an incredible headline, it's great to see them going at it again. Mamed Kaladov is, um, I would say, one of the most anticipated. Um, well, uh, well, one of one of the also rans who never actually quite made it to the UFC, who turned it down several times. But you know, seeing that? him. Sorry. Why? Would, why did he turn it down? Do you know? It's to do with pay. It's that basic a thing in that what he would start off on uh the salary he would start off on going into the ufc does no way compare in what he's receiving right now ksw pay and they pay quite well where the talent actually matches now to actually start off on something like um 20 000 to show 20 000 to win he'd be that would be a backward step for mamad khalidov and I think the way he's oh, treated right. in terms of the superstardom that he has under the KSW banner um, is something which he obviously wants to continue continue for the rest of his career. When you think about it, he's fast approaching 40. I can't see him um, carrying on for much longer considering that, you know, he is uh, one of these uh, of a mindset that why would you go out looking broken uh, just you know coming off the back of a conversation about Chuck and Tito why why not go out with your head held high but um, the, the fight I'm actually looking forward to is Mateus uh, Gamrot versus Kleber Koik Erbst and the reason being I, I I think that Gamrot has kind of like built himself up built himself up as some kind of like anti-hero having faced Norman Park twice and for it on two occasions to be um, first of all um, mired in controversy but secondly to be as my mum would say wrong and strong they on both (laughs) occasions ended in a, a kind of you know a sour note and you know, for him to have his held his head held high as though he did something incredible, did something magnificent, you know, it's about time um, that he's kind of um, taken down a peg. So yeah. that would be kind of interesting to see. 
Yeah, that is. It's a tricky one, man. When you you know, because he's fourteen and zero, but then you've got two sort of asterisks next to um, you know that number. I think what's going to be cool about this the fact that it's a five rounder. KSW is um, just like Cadro is one of um, you know the premier organizations and five rounders is i think how you treat a title fight to be honest with you yeah 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 i think it makes sense and um so i i, I do feel like now it, there might i don't know i mean I, I don't really know too much about his uh, about herbs um apart from that he's he's heavy on the on the jujitsu side um but I, I think it could be this could be a bit more of a test because park a lot of that was um up against the fence from what i remember um, and you know, it, it just seemed a lot of stalling and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see now if he if he's like, okay, I need to redeem. If people don't believe in me, I need to show them exactly what this is about and why I'm a undefeated fighter. And you just underlined one of the other reasons why I want to see this. Yeah, I mean, let's see if he is going to redeem himself or is he going to be re returning to form. Moving swiftly on, Bellator. 2.10 takes place in Thackerville, Oklahoma. That's going to be headed by John Salter versus Chidi and Jokowani. And it's yeah. kind of like a, a double header. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, that this is kind of like a, a, a MMA weekender in that Bellator has 2.10 going down on Friday in Thackerville, Oklahoma. As I said, um, headlined by John Salter versus Chidi and Jokowani. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Mike Shipman, the, uh, the lone Brit on the card versus Scott Futrell. But the following day, again, they are pitching up in um, Genoa, uh, yeah. Genoa, sorry, Genova. Uh, Italy. Yeah. Um, basically for Bellator 211, that's Alessio Saccara versus Kent Carpenter. Now, bearing in mind, the last time I saw Kent, uh, who is headlining this, he was being destroyed by Walter Gehadza. Um, this is a bit of an odd matchup, considering that Kent is 10 and 4. And Alessio Sakara is 19 and 12. I think I know how this is going to actually pan out. Yeah. And it's going to be a first round destruction of Kent Coppinham. For Alessio. I mean, Andy's fighting at home. It feels like they do this a lot now. Um, I, I, it's interesting that they've got quite a. I think it's to do with the name, maybe, because uh, Bellator is like a Latin, you know, Italian um, word or name. And so I think that might be a big part. But they seem to be doing quite a bit in Italy. They go there quite often, you know, like um, throughout the year or at least I know it's definitely at least once a year. It feels like maybe two or three times, though. The, the way. And then obviously Alessio Sakara seems to be the main sort of whenever they're there, he, you know, since he's been with them, he'd be the headline. So I feel like it's just a sort of guarantee. It's a place where they, they know they're guaranteed to get a good crowd. Um, and pulling the right amount of people, and they've kind of fed Alessio, and not to, to you know, to put um, Copinan down like that, but it does feel like they've fed him someone just to kind of keep the crowd happy as well. That know? is a gimme. Yeah. That is a gimme. Yeah. That is going to end in a first round devastation, and uh, I see that coming by, by way of KO. But um, going back over the other side of the pond, um, again on the same day, um, we've got UFC Tough 28, the finale, mm. which is um, Rafael de Sanjos uh, versus Kamaru oh, Usman. Right. But you know what? It's our boy who I'm really looking forward to seeing yeah. when uh, Tough 28, the finale, goes down yeah, the on, uh, on Friday. Darren the Dentist Stewart yeah, actually faces Edmund Shabazian. 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 Shabazian, yeah. The golden boy. <laughs> 
who's six and zero. He's six and zero, yeah. but let's just face it: this is going to be a standout war. It's going to be in a territory where Darren likes to actually trade. It's going to be in a, a territory which he's successful at: standing mm. and trading, standing and banging. I've got Darren on this all day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I have to look into um, this uh, Shabazian a bit more, but I do feel like, and uh, you know, Darren, especially even after his last fight against, um, uh, I've forgotten the guys, is it not Sh- or Sheldon? I've forgotten his name, but he had me a bit worried. You know, that first round where they were clinching and it was a bit of dirty boxing going on, he was getting caught um, yeah. every now and again. And he said, don't we, you know, and I think a few other people, Sort of said the same thing, and he's like, "You lot, don't worry about me, man. I got this." <laughs> so you know, it's quite interesting <laughs> to see. But I think he's in that. You know, definitely, we've we've spoken to him, and his mindset just seems like, yeah, he's in the right place for all of this. Um, the way he he handled that as well, um, that last fight, I think you know, yeah, he he's definitely prepared for for what's coming. So um, yeah, man, I wish him good luck. Looking forward to see that as well. Yeah, 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 that's that's definitely my my fight to look out for of the night. And then the following day, you got fight night one four two. Too much, and that's, bro. Uh, Gina... Where 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 yeah. are you gonna find the time to watch all of this, man? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I, I like I say I, I there, there are certain standouts who, which I'm actually looking forward to. Okay, this is headlined by Gina De Santos uh, versus uh, Taito yeah, Vasa, but who I'm really looking forward to seeing is Paul Craig when he uh, takes, actually takes on Jim. Uh, and remember, Paul Craig actually pulled off that submission with like a second to go in his last fight. Oh, so, yeah. you know, speaking of having your mind right, he certainly has got the yeah, mental fortitude, sure. obviously, going into this one. Yeah. Um, there's a few fights on this one that, you know, uh, are going to be interesting. You know, like, it, it's almost like they've, they, it, it's got a slight throwback feel to it, obviously, with, um, you know, you've got Who are on there. Um, so, um versus Pedro versus Tyson Pedro that's going to be interesting so Shogun Hua versus um, Tyson Pedro then you got Mark Hunt versus um, Willis what is his uh, yeah Justin Willis so you know it's kind of like the new new versus the old school in a sense you know uh, even with Dos Santos and Tuivasa to an extent as well um, but you got some clashes like you said the Craig Crute fighters that's going to be a nice clash you know uh, ob- I know, well, you know I know there's a scare about him disappearing uh, in terms of the flyweight division but I feel like um, race versus um, Nguyen is going to be really interesting as well and then you've got Jake Matthews versus uh, Tony Martin which is another like these you know some of these fights are like yo this is going to be a clash of heads these are going to um, throw down in the middle for sure um, so it, it, I'm looking forward to this one uh, probably a little bit more than I am um, to the fight night before it yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. But uh, as I say, for me, that the, the whole um, weekend in terms of um, UFC action, for me, it, I, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing Darren doing the business again. But, I mean, you, 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 you mentioned just uh, a sly nod there to the flyweight, which neatly segues into this week's interview. Now, a few weeks back, actually, you know, we, we, we are literally days uh, removed from... Um, Cage Warriors 99, which was supposed to be actually headlined by Blaine O'Driscoll versus the current or the then uh, flyweight champion Nathan Dread Grayson. I caught up with him earlier uh, this week and uh, here's what he had to say. 
bitch better have my money. Through rain, sleet, or snow. It was a Shakespeare. My hoe better have my money. I'm telling you, that boy's a genius. Tell it. Not half, not some, but all my cash. Give me my motherfucking money. I want my goddamn money. In 24 hours, you better have my money. I got bills and shit. I need medicine. Roof over my head, kind Welcome to the Wokecast, Nathan Grayson. Welcome, sir. I'm good. Not as good as you, though. But before we actually get onto that, I think, you know, let's just set a bit of context here. Let's set a bit of background. Let's just, for the uninitiated, especially for our um, listeners overseas, let's just set out who Nathan Grayson is. Now, it's well documented. It's uh, very, very clear and present on the internet, if you do a search in your, on your name, that... Um, You've had a little bit of a troubled upbringing. You've had a bit of a, how can I put it, um, well, a, a run-in with the law. Now, at the time of actually um, sentencing, uh, this was for robbery. We'll go straight into this straight away. The judge actually remarked that this was one of the most audacious robberies that they'd actually seen. She was, you know, not necessarily praising you, but she was recognizing the seriousness, first of all, of what transpired. A series of robberies. I mean, we may, you know, need again to set context. You may want to give your side of the story, but a series of robberies um, involving large amounts of cash. But you know, it was just her remark I read at the time, which kind of like gave me pause for thought. In that, at the time, you were just coming out of your teens, but she remarked that this was a complex series of planning and meticulous. Um, uh, uh, well, execution in terms of the way that the robberies were carried out that were befitting of experienced, more experienced uh, felons. I mean, first off, just talk me through that whole experience. How did you actually get caught up in the whole scene? I think the judge, the judge um, praised us as masterminds. We was masterminds. Um, and I was just, you're correct, I was just coming out of my teens. I was like 21. Um, and... For that, for that, for that case there, that court case, it was a series of robberies over a year, so we was under a conspiracy charge, um, and yeah, it was. It wasn't like no granny robbery and hurting people, nothing like that. No violence involved, nothing like that. It was just strictly, it's strictly business. Um, I'm from the roads, and I'm a hustler. I'm a born hustler. I'm a businessman, and um, I got into it from a young age, um, and I got out of it, thankfully. Um, unscathed. Now, to a lot of people listening, um, we see it in the movies, we see the glamorised lifestyle that can be actually attributed to those people carrying out these audacious robberies. Obviously, the spoils mean lots and lots of money, but obviously the flip side are the families affected, especially those caught up in the robberies, um, be it the security or um, deliverers, those people actually going about their daily lives, trying to actually make a crust, an honest crust for their families. Um, you know, in the planning of these robberies, what kind of consideration do you have for like somebody carrying uh, 10 grand as a security core driver? I mean, doesn't anything cross your mind just for a second that you may actually be destroying by way of psychological damage? Because um, from what I read, nobody was actually killed or, or maimed in it. But in terms of psychological damage, doesn't that actually go through your head as to, you know, what the aftermath that you're actually leaving behind? 
Um, at the time of the robberies going on, you don't really think of much. You just think of um, the money. You just think of the glory and everything that's going to come. Um, but, it, it, yeah, it was only until I hit prison and then I had to take courses to actually think about my actions. And I sat there in the cell by myself and I, I realised um, the hurt that it was given. Even though we was planning the robberies to a T where no one is actually getting physically harmed, um, it was only until I got a bit older and I realised we were still harming people. They were, it was like a, it was a, a chain effect kind of thing where people, I'm not sure if it's a chain effect, the word I'm looking for, but it was like, um, it was just other people who we can't see was basically getting harmed from it. And um, on both sides, like including my family, putting through the stress, uh, coming to see their son in prison, um, and the the people who who's just carrying out their job, their wives, they could be um, paranoid or just a bit scared to even go back to work the next day. So the prison door closes. You've been sent down. You're actually spending time now incarcerated. You, you, you touched on it lightly, but let's just delve in just a little bit more deeply. The cell door closes, and then what for you? What is actually going through your mind right the second the, the, the actual door closes behind you and you know this is real? The second the, the door closes, you're thinking, shit, this is hell. This is real hell. And I'll be honest, man, I'll be straight. If anyone, think, if anyone says they like it in there or anything, they're a fucking bum and they probably deserve to be there. Um, if you have a life and you enjoy your life, you don't want to be somewhere like that, man. You know, one of the things we kind of like um, we see, I suppose not talked about so much on film, but, you know, it's touched, touched on um, ever so slightly, is the hierarchy, the regime in prison. Were you part of the whole prison population or were you so entrenched in your view that, look, I'm not going to get involved in any way, shape or form, anything that will actually leave me either staying in here long term or actually coming back. Because why I touch on that is, you're right, anybody who says that they enjoy prison life, you're right, they haven't got much going for them. And uh, one of my nephews kind of remarked after spending time in Felton that one of the things he learned from there is you can be either honing your skills in there, in that you're meeting up with the elders, the olders who actually teach you uh, ways of, of evasion, or you can actually be honing your skills on ways in which you can stay out of prison, stay on the straight and narrow, basically educate yourself, actually um, use the time productively in incarceration. So going back to my original question, I mean, in terms of what it meant for you, were you one of the people who were staying away, kind of honing your skills by yourself, or were you looking at getting involved in, you know, the, the general population? It took me some time to actually, to to mentally grow up. I've I've um, I've been in I've been in the um, the streets for a long time. Like I would say, literally, if I can put a, a date on it, I'll say from the age of, I mean, I was like, I was in the streets literally from the age of like eight, nine, ten easy um so I, I, had to, I had a lot of growing up mentally to do because um i've just been living that carefree just life not caring about anything just just being on the roads and struggle and um so yeah man um i had i had i had, I had my child and i had, i was in prison and um that's when i just that's when i kind of mentally grew up man i realized i've got to start reading um i've read a, i read i read quite a lot of books inside I, um I, and what is it 
and an open university in there also. So you can use you can use it in there. I, I personally, for me, I, I used it to help benefit me. I had this one goal, and I'm I'm carrying it out right now, as you can see. But um, this decision was definitely made from going inside the prison, being in the cell by myself. I decided I'm not gonna do this ever again. And um, sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that. And I think I needed it myself. I, I'm I'm I'm. We was like a gang. There was a group of us on the streets. So it's a lot of. Um, Everyone has an opinion, and everyone has a like a your 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 what's the word when you're young impressionable, and um, you just want to prove a point. You got loads of things to um, think of. You you don't know the true meaning of life, and um, that was going on basically then. So in prison, I was by myself. I had no one to 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 to. Um, make an opinion of how I should live my life or the world I had it was just all me for five years no, yeah well just under five years by myself and um yeah I, I made myself some promises and I, and I stuck with them so fast forward now you have left prison would you say to a certain extent I know it sounds cliche but MMA saved you do you think that there is a role for MMA for those people who want to get on the right path I mean did MMA save you. For me personally, how I grew up fighting is in is is in is born in us. Even though the whole world from the beginning of time we all love fighting apparently, but um, literally from the streets where I'm from, all we done was fight. We fight. We fought each other and made up. We fought enemies. Do you know what I mean? So um, if you're coming from that sort of lifestyle, I think MMA could be your calling, man. Not just me. I think it could be for a lot of a lot of um, kids growing up. And um, but even if you're not from that calling, man, I mean, MMA is like a it's, it's, it's very it takes a lot of discipline. It's 90, it's 80 percent mental, 20 percent physical. So I think even if you're not from that sort of life and you, you're just like a uni kid that just had enough and you want to just got, um, make make a name for yourself, leave an imprint in this world, then definitely MMA could 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 be the one for you. You when you came out, I mean, just. Give me a quick potted history of your, your MMA journey. I mean, you obviously just didn't jump straight into pro, surely. I mean, just talk me through, just walk me through your MMA journey. Um, I came out. <laughs> I came out and literally, I think it was within a week, I met, um, I met up with Jimmy Manuel. And um, we knew, like, we're all from the same area, from Croydon. And... Um, they were just like, listen, man, if you got you, you can't be going back there no more, and you gotta, you gotta just come to the gym with me, and just if you really love to fight, you, you love to fight, why not make some money for it? So we just took it from there. It was literally like, I don't know if I stumbled in it or it stumbled in my life, but um, I'm being congruent with my actions and I'm carrying on. Just one thing that I, I've seen, especially of Jimmy, he does seem to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Mayor, possibly not the right word, but it's the one I'm going to use because I can't think of a better one. He seems to be the mayor for those who are looking to actually, you know, move away from crime. Because I know that, you know, Nathan Rose, who's been signed to Bellator, he was on a similar downward spiral. But again, Jimmy shepherded him. And I know, you know, I could reel off a whole list of names of the people that were in Lions Pride. 
but it seems like he's been like a, a guiding force, a guiding light, considering Jimmy's background as well, having been incarcerated, having been in the street. And now, you know, he is um, on his journey to UFC um, contendership, uh, UFC light heavyweight contendership. So I, I take it that, you know, Jimmy played a, a, a real pivotal role in keeping you on the straight and narrow. Yeah, shout out to Nathan Rose, man. He was my cold E on my case as well, and actually, but um, he's doing well. He's just got signed to Bellator. Um, but Jimmy, definitely hats off to Jimmy. Um, paved the way for um, like my my sort of culture into this fighting. Um, I think he broke the doors for us and kind of paved the way, man. Like, there's loads of other pioneers like uh, Paul Daly. Um, Loads of other ones that had rocky backgrounds. I don't know all of them, but those those two personally um, definitely hats off to them, man. So he actually got you um, onto the US UCMMA roster. Is that how it worked? He he kind of paved the way for you there. You basically transitioned from UCMMA to what other promotions? What other promotions were you fighting on? Um, I don't even remember myself, man. <laughs> Maybe all of them. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. But in all honesty, um, I think if we're fair and if we are really, really to give them their just place in your journey, Cage Warriors is where you grew to prominence. Cage Warriors is where people actually heard about you in a, in a massive way. And especially when you think back, I mean, you, there, there's no way that I, I, I feel you can deny this. A lot of people were saying the same thing. You were bought in to lose against your opponent. A lot of people didn't see that fight panning out the way it did. When you actually fought or actually drawn to fight um, Sam Creasy, a lot of people had Sam down um, to be basically um, put in the stop and in the pot in, in the spotlight, and for him basically to make short work of you. So obviously that didn't go to plan. Just talk me through how that whole matchup occurred, and you know. Just talk me through that entire fight. Yeah, a lot of people kind of ripped me off. It was a bit weird, but it's all good, man. But um, that, that I actually wanted that fight myself. I called I called for it on Twitter, um, and a few other top flyweights in the country. And um, the reason why is because I, I saw my UFC opportunity. I saw the calling, and um, as I said, I'm con being congruent with my actions, and I, I wanted to come out. Um, I said to myself when I was in actually prison, I remember watching, I think it was Bama or Bellator, one of the shows, but it was on O2 and it was on Channel 5 or Spike TV. And I said, I'm going to be fighting in London O2 when I get out of this shithole for what main event, world title, it doesn't matter. And I actually said it. I'll never forget that day. And I, I, I proper said it and I believed it. And um, I worked, I worked, I worked hard. I made sacrifices, I prayed until I got that shot. I called him out on Twitter um, and I got the shot and I carried on. I carried on praying and I carried on training hard. And then I came in, I'd done what I said I was going to do, uh, conduct savagery, man. Now, in conducting that savagery, you picked up the um, flyweight belt. Now, let's just fast forward to a few weeks back. We are literally days removed from Cage Warriors 99, where you were supposed to have headlined. Um, now, you were due to fight Blaine O'Driscoll. That fight didn't actually happen. Now, again, in your own words, because I'm going to go to certain statements 
which were actually again in the public knowledge again in the public domain that came from the cage warriors um president um graham boylan and to his credit uh i have to say he's laid it all out there for public consumption um so there is no ambiguity there is no hiding behind um any uh statements on twitter this basically is a full interview that i'm about to read some statements from my buddy um pete carroll pete c carroll um who again he, he was the he was the, i would say part of the catalyst to this whole um, public knowledge of your um discomfiture of how you've been treated uh, in your eyes by cage warriors and um how much you were being paid and uh the fact that you weren't going to make weight because that's where listening to that i first got wind that all wasn't right so you know I, I think you know to be fair in your own words in your own timeline um just talk me through in the lead up what actually happened because first of all i'm, I'm, I'm gonna lead off with this um i think it would be remiss of me not to mention this one thing in signing this fight you obviously signed a particular timeline you signed a particular budget or how much you were going to be paid. So you knew the parameters for this fight. So what changed? What actually initiated this whole decline in you actually being taken off the card? So the floor is yours. Take it away. I think it was... I'm just going uh, to... What bit do you want to know from? Let, let's start off with your own account in the run-up to the conversation with Graham Boylan that made you feel, you know what? I, I don't really like um, the prospect or I'm not comfortable with the prospect of actually fighting for this amount. I'm not comfortable with the fight um, being put in front of me. I mean, what was it that actually made this unravel? I suppose, let's, let's just chunk this down. Okay, first off, what was it that actually made you feel, you know what, I'm not fighting on Saturday. I'm not fighting for this amount of money, considering that you signed a contract for that amount of money. It was from when UFC cut the division. Well, UFC hasn't, didn't actually cut the division, but a few fighters came out on the Thursday, the week before the fight, and they said, basically, um, we've got cut. <laughs> um, the UFC's dissolving the division and X, Y, and Z. So, I could say, Thursday, I was, I was training. I was right here on the treadmill when I heard the, when I heard the news, and I actually stopped. I walked around the corner, I got to my knees and I was just like, fuck, what, what, like, what am I going to do now? What's going on? I need a goal. UFC's my goal. And um, I would say by Friday is when I decided, I was like, listen, do you know what? That sort of cash is not going to get me through this weight cut. I need an incentive. I already know myself. It's a big weight cut for me. I'm a flyweight champ, I'm a bantamweight champ, I'm a featherweight champ. Even though flyweight was very hard, I can do it again. And I can do whatever I put my mind to, but I need an incentive. UFC was that for me. Um, so, I'll say from the Fridays when I told everyone, listen, I, kn I already know that that, that, that change I'm getting is, isn't going to be enough to get me through that sauna. Them sauna, 18 hours in the sauna, no way, man. Do you know what I mean? And plus it's life-threatening, it's, it's, it's a lot to deal with. Just the weight cut, I'm talking, not the fight. Um, and um, uh, I feel I got misrepresented. I think I got misrepresented. I'm not sure about the... I don't. I haven't spoke to Cage Warriors. 
I never spoke to them leading up to the fight. Um, it was all, even like to do with uh, contracts and X, Y, and Z, it's all to do with um, management team. And um, I feel I got misrepresented. I told my management team the, 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 what the truth is. I told, I told uh, PE the truth. I said, um, I'm not fighting. I'm not fighting for that sort of money. UFC's gone. I need an incentive. And I ain't no fuck. I ain't no. I'm not coming here to bullshit or lie about no fake injuries or none of like that. Or not making weight because I can't make weight. I don't know what Cage Warriors or anyone else is talking about. Um, I just simply said, listen, I'm I'm I'm, I'm relinquishing this belt because at the UFC, the flyweight division is 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 is, is, is dissolving. It's 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 stuck right now. The Cage Warriors one. It's not like the best flyweights in the world are going to come cage warriors i want to fight the best in the world I, I just beat the number one in europe i want to fight the best in the world so that's that that would that was just my aim man i need to get paid so that's what i'm that's what i'm running for but do you see the point that i'm getting at in that you signed a contract with set parameters but what you essentially did you reneged on that because essentially this would elicit the, the appropriate response, I would say, from Graham Boylan, who basically said to Peter Carroll of MMA Fighting, um, and I'm quoting here, there was contact on Wednesday asking for a catchweight fight, and I said, are you fucking joking? You're the champion. You can't fight at a catchweight. The only things that can happen now are you not fighting, you pull out, or you have some respect, and you give Blaine the opportunity to fight for the belt you cannot defend. I don't know who, like, who this who, who this conversation was with. I don't know about a catchweight. I said I'm only fighting if the money's there. I need that violent money. Now, in, in asking for violent money, though, it goes back to what I say, or what I said to you earlier. It's a bit difficult to renegotiate a contract which you've signed, especially. I mean, again, to quote Graham Boylan, he, he's right in saying, look, Nathan wanted his pie, or Nathan... To quote him correctly, Nathan wanted to have his pie and eat it. Basically, he wanted to fight at 135 against Blaine, but he wanted to keep his 125 belt. I ain't never heard of that. That ain't never come out of my mouth. Listen, man, I don't, I don't, know, where the, I don't even know where you're reading this, this bullshit from. Listen, you got me here. I've told the truth already. I said exactly what I needed to say on the last one. And, is that, and the story's still the same. Um, the UFC division's gone. I need to move on. Cage Warriors is there as a stepping stone. Um, that's it, man. They're not they're not paying my bills. I'm a grown I'm a grown. Let's listen. Like how much? What was the figures you saw on my last case? Six figures, man, is what I'm used to in business. And these guys are not paid. Cage Warriors. I, it was there as a stepping stone. Do you see what I'm getting at? So it, I hear what you're saying about contract and everything, but they was exploiting me from the beginning, man. They give. I don't even want to go too deep into it. But they they were shagging me from the minute I knocked out their boy. That's a little bit disturbing, and I I I I sense that you don't want to go too deep into that. But when you think about it, um, I'm glad you kind of concede that you know they're, they're coming from a place where they thought they had a signed agreement. You've ultimately reneged on that agreement, so hence the reason why they'd have to release you. But I have to say, and I, I, I hope I'm not. I hope you don't think I'm blowing smoke up your ass. But I think that this has catapulted you into the public in terms of um, notoriety, in terms of public relations. This, I think, there's been some positives from this because there is no way that anybody um, who's been looking at the timelines on, on Twitter saying 
uh, they haven't heard of Nathan Gray Grayson will be telling the truth because your name now is ringing bells and it's ringing bells harder than it had been before this whole blow up. It's crazy, man. It shows just just how much the game, the game. I don't know. I don't want to say uh, messed up the game is or whatever. It's just the game. The game's the game, isn't it? But I know that the game. Yeah, man. Like I should have. My name should have got recognised from when I won the title. Fight like fighters don't get paid. Fighters don't get paid, and they don't get ranked based on their skills. They get they get paid and and ranked on based on other other stuff. I don't, I don't know nothing about. <laughs> but um, I think yeah, it's just the game's the game, man. How is that possible that we've got? you know, an ex-champion now, but at the time a champion who wasn't being recompensed. Because let me guess, let me guess, just based on what people have told me in the past, I'm guesstimating that you were on about a thousand pounds. Now, as a, as, a, as a champion, that obviously isn't befitting of the kind of wages that you would expect given what you have to go through. Now, I, 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 just, just give me an indication, am I in the right ballpark in terms of figures? Is that what you were being paid? Listen, man, this is like, I mean, like, seriously, monkeys dancing in the circus for peanuts. Like, I mean, like, how's the champ getting paid the least on the show? It's, it's you know what I mean? Like, and, and you expect me to cut all that weight as well, that, all that, all that, all that, to, to bring violence to your fans and I'm still going to, and I'm, come on, man, it's just, I have to go through the money that I, my purse doesn't even cover the medicals for safe MMA. It doesn't even cover the petrol to get to the gym to train. It doesn't cover my training costs. It doesn't cover, it doesn't cover, it just cover, it just, I mean, yeah, it's just, what can I say, man? The game's the game. I gotta protect my, I gotta protect my team. I can't say too much no more. Uh, but there's some shady, shady fucking guys out there, man. Now, Let's just go into something which you, you can talk about. You must have surveyed the landscape now that you are, you know, a free agent. You must be looking at 1FC. You must be looking at Bellator. You must be looking at Brave. I mean, there is a, a world of opportunities open to you now. And I alluded to it earlier in that, you know, your name is actually ringing bells now. Are there any particular promotions who you're in talks with? Or are there any particular um, promotions, you know, particularly like 1FC, obviously, that you'd look to sign with now that you are a free agent? I don't really want to talk about the ones that we're in talk with right now because um, we're just in talks. Um, and there's some shady fucking guys out there. Once I said, like I said, <laughs> I, don't want, <laughs> I don't want nobody fucking. So, um, yeah, man. Um, I just, yeah, like, si since since this happened, since, since, I, since I stood up for what's right, um, my name has definitely got out, gotten out. Um, and I've been getting a lot of feedback good positive feedback from fighters ufc fighters um bellator fighters brave fighters um all over the world man so it's great it's, it's definitely good but um yeah man i just I, I yeah i think everyone needs to know the like the truth like i relinquished the belt um due to not not i'm not gonna fight for that sort of money um um yeah, and we're, we're in talk, so everything's still looking positive, man. It's, it's hard to argue, though. I mean, since though we are still, um, you know, on the same topic of cage-wise, it's hard to argue that they are almost a feeder show, um, for want of a better word, to the UFC. Um, do, you, do you feel as though you kind of, obviously, 
now that things are actually soured with you, there's no way back. Is, is it on that footing in that, you know, reading in between the lines, it, it sounds as though things could actually have been rectified if you had been paid appropriately. This is what it sounds like. Do you remember the Jack Shaw fight um, when I offered to pull in the day before? So, um... I just said, listen, man, just like I know you guys ain't gonna pay me. I'm looking at the bigger picture once again for this, a sacrifice. And um, I said, just give me a little monkey, give me 500 quid, just to come up, just to pay for my train ticket up to Wells. Yeah, the day before, the flyweight champ is looking to come in, put, save you lot show. Couldn't even do that for me. Didn't want to give me another monkey. They're champ. So I said, right, I ain't gonna be able to cut to 61 in all those hours. In, in three hours, sorry, they said they need me to cut it, in, cut it in three hours or something. It takes three hours to get to Wells or some bullshit. Um, they were just trying to throw all this. This is what they do. I don't want to talk about it too much, but um, I said, let's give, give, me, give it to me at 66. They said, no, nah, we can't know that. It's a title fight. Then what do they do? They give it to Brazil for 66, no? So it's just little things. It's just all these things that's been happening since I won that title. Up until I decided to give it up, give it back. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I was, I don't know if I was the champ. I definitely not got treated like the champ, but I definitely knocked out someone who was meant to be the champ. Now, from the looks of things, it looks as though the person that you knocked out, considering that there was a kind of like a top three, um, it looks as though. He, Sam Creasy, is back in the, the title mix. Now, considering what you have done, how does it actually make you feel to see him actually, you know, to, to, for want of a better word, take your um, spot? I'm happy for him, man. I have no hate in my heart at all. Like, I wouldn't have got this far um, if I did. Um, but at the same time, it's business and I'm still me. And I feel that I am the legitimate... Um, king of flyweights division in Europe. So if anyone wants to come and get the fake, fake one, like one that I've relinked, then they can, you know what I'm saying? Leftovers and all that shit, cause it's real. Do you know what I'm saying? So um, they can do what they want, man. But I'll be here, I'm, I'm waiting. Just give me a call. If they want to see violence, it's violent money. So just from what you said there, I don't want to, you know, um, how can I put it? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I, I just want to just get on the right page here. If you were being paid the violent money, you'd be happy to come back to Cage Warriors and do violence. I'll be happy to go to the moon to do violence if they're paying that money, baby. I ain't joking about. I'll go Cage Warriors and give the show off. I'll turn it upside down, man, if they paid the right money. But they're not going to do that. Um, so it's time to move on. Maybe one is looking to, to do that. Um, Brave maybe maybe looking to do that. Um, or Bellator might be looking to do that. There's a few, there's a few options there. And um, and I'm happy, I feel good. I feel, since giving up that belt, I feel like, I feel free for some reason. It's weird, it's weird, even though I should have felt free when I got the belt, as in like, you know, like financial freedom and status and all that shit changes. And But nah, man, I feel like now that it's gone, I feel like I've got so much opportunity and, um, I'm really excited about it, man. I'm like, it's the fly killer, isn't it? It's hashtag fly killer, baby. You know what? It it, it kind of like um, brings me back to one of the conversations that I had with a good friend of yours, Jimmy Manuel, and that it, 
you know, he, he always, he always, he's got this moniker. We got options out here, baby. We got options. And it sounds like you've got options from what you've just said there. Nathan Grayson, thank you so much for gracing uh, the WOCast this week. And thank you so much for your candidness. You know, it's not everybody can actually come on the WOCast and be so free to speak. And as you say, you are free now. You're free to say what you like and free to do what you like. And I can only see that actually trending in the right direction. And that is you know, upward. Well done, my brother. What, what, for, for me, that there, there was, there were several takeaways from that. One, he was really brutally honest, really brutally frank, and it was good to see, that, and it was quite refreshing to hear him being so open about the whole situation. There was a few things, a few takeaways, which, you know, I hadn't actually appreciated before. And that was the whole matchup um, that could have been really between him and Jack Shaw. Now that for me would have been a clash of all clashes because you've got the flyweight champion actually taking on, you know, for me, um, I just like the whole approach to, um, look, I'm happy to take on all takers, but just pay me. Uh, that was definitely a big takeaway from that was the fact that he was not happy with yeah. how much he would be getting paid um, for that amount of work. And what seemed like the, 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 the amount of, you know, what seemed like it was a lot of work was getting down to £125. And then obviously him stating that, well, you know, they're getting rid of the division. I mean, it still hasn't been announced. No, but all the indications are that they are actually doing it. They're doing it stealthily. And um, yeah, whilst they haven't actually explicitly stated that, I can see why, if that was his motivation, that being removed, he'd be like, ah, fuck this for a game of soldiers. Yeah, it, may, it did definitely sounded like he was, you know, the one thing that he's not looking to do is try and cut all that weight for, for pennies. You know, for like he was saying, it's not even going to cover the travel back and from mm. um, to and from the gym, let alone you know all his expenses and what other expenses and whatnot. So you can't really blame him, and I think it was quite amicable of him to just say, "Look, okay, I'll relinquish the title, then I'll give it up." But it's just the timing of it. You know, how does that look now to other organisations if you're willing to just drop everything because of that? We'll put it this way: I think it looks favourably to other organizations pay me my worth and i'll happily show up because that was the only Mm. sticking point we know what he brings i think he said it best if you want me to do violence pay me violent money and i think moving forward um that would be very clearly in anybody's mind who actually signs him but those who would actually be looking to sign him that money shouldn't be an issue because if Mm. you remember he was talking about brave he was talking about Bellator. He was talking about One FC. These are promotions who pay their athletes really well. That about wraps up this week's episode of the Worldcast. As always, I've been Michael Morgan, and I've been my Stiggy. Oh, peace! This one is special. We got World TV. You know how we do. This year's our year. World TV's year. Ain't no other TV like World. Can you hear me? I know, I know, I know, I know These fascios, they gotta go They're spitting bars, slidey though Face to face, they never try me though Whoa TV, that's where you'll find me, bro With a couple of the sick man behind me though Ready to pop up the slightest though I know my man are excited, so Come then follow my lead, I'll let you know right now Blood, I'll speed, you think you're gonna pass me? 
I let you know right now you won't succeed Not why I say that we breathe I'll always have the next up one up my sleeve With term of a hot one that you can't read To make me bigger bars you need I just slam but now you wanna leave Cause I'm sick I make you wanna heave I'm too much it's like you can't breathe Cause I done shit that you can't believe No begging I don't wanna hear my bleed You touch my set it's a done deed No say that I'm gonna feed Clap it up on this thing indeed I know I know I know I know These fascios they gotta go They're spitting bars Slidey though Face to face they never try me though Whoa TV that's where you'll find me bro With a couple of sick man behind me though Ready to pop up the slightest though I know my man are excited so